This is Friday Night Frights. It's available on all your favourite podcast channels, including Spotify and Audible. It's on Amazon. Honestly, Amazon would take anything at this point, except 2020's most horizontally horrifying horror movie, Barbara Batchen, which is available exclusively on YouTube now. This is Ian Austin saying, Welcome to Friday Night Fright Season 5. Who thought? Who would have thought we would have got five seasons? Um, not me, no one is. But there you go. Season 5 begins now. Or continues now, depending on what episode you're listening to. Hi, it's Ian Austin here. Another episode of F1's favourite podcast, Friday Night Fright. And this episode, let's talk about Scream, baby. Let's talk about Sydney. Let's talk about all the murders that occur in the quadrilogy. Let's talk about Scream. Let's talk about Scream. You know, it's one of those things I always said. I wanted to sing in a podcast and in various media like this. And now I'm able to because the podcast is back. It's back. And I saw Scream in the Prince Charles Cinema in London, which was a seminal experience in my life. Because I got to see one of my favourite movies in a cinema in London um, on a day off from work, and I was like, this is awesome, and it really was awesome, and I'll be talking more about Scream after a brief word from our sponsor, because I like money. So, Scream, Scream, to paraphrase Matthew Lillard, it's a Scream, baby, which was ad lib. Scream is, of course, the... 19, late 90s slasher directed by Wes Craven written by Kevin Williamson produced by two of my favourite people the Weinstein boys who everyone loves who are influential in Hollywood um, and yeah you know not very nice people not very nice to work with um, and have resulted in a lot of success which some would argue maybe even me that wasn't necessarily down to them so much as luck, because if you factor in the wider range of stuff they made and that they're heavily involved in, which didn't make any goddamn money or have any real success, they are the factor which you need to factor in. And working with people like Wes Craven and Quentin Tarantino, you are going to have success because they are fantastic. It's when you work, they worked with other people who they bullied, <laughs> you know, and then this, what happens is what happened with Scream 4, you know. Um, yeah, anyway, enough about my dislike of Weinstein boys. Um, Scream is a classic. There's no disputing that. I'm not going to break it down particularly in terms of arguing that it has flaws because I don't think it has any. I think Scream is the seminal movie of the 90s in terms of horror because it's smart, it's well-constructed, it's funny, but as they did note when they're casting for and scouting for directors, it's not a comedy despite what things have you believe. Scary movies are comedy, although there's no real laughs in it. Scary movies are terribly overrated as a parody and not very inventive. You know, if you were going to make a parody and you're just literally taking scenes and then not re-adding any jokes to them, it's not funny. As we found out with their exorcist parody of James Woods, where it was like, these are the base jokes you can make and it's not funny at all. It's just not funny. But Scream succeeds because Scream is not a comedy. As I said, Scream is a horror movie with funny elements. Terribly funny bits of dialogue. Kevin Williamson's a really good writer, but never at the expense of the horror. It remembers 
if it's going to work, you need to be scared. You need to be spooked out. And even to this day, watching it, watching that incredible pacing, the incredible tension of it, the mastery of building up suspense, of creating moments that Tarantino would classify as, you know, edge of your seat tension. And actually, it's kind of funny, because apparently Tantino doesn't like Scream, or doesn't like direction of it, which I was noticing as I was watching it in Prince Charles in London. I was trying to view it through that sort of lens, and I, even then, I was like, this is really way directing. I think the reason is because Wes Craven doesn't over-egg it. You know, he lets the movie breathe. He's not throwing out cool shots for the sake of cool shots. He's building up tension and relying on the acting, cause we all have to remember that directing's not just visuals. Directing's the entire template of the movie. You know, the directors, to paraphrase um, Michael Fassbender's paraphrase and Steve Jobs, the director is in charge of the orchestra. You know, he's playing the orchestra. He's getting everyone involved to deliver as good work as possible. And it's career best performances. I think Nev Campbell. Will I say she's a brilliant actress? I don't think so. But I think she's perfect in Rolf Sidney Prescott, especially in this first movie, where you get sense that there's a bit more steel to her than most actresses were brought to the role. The character is a bit more of a backbone. There's this sense that she's going through a lot of shit, but in the style of Ridley, Ridley in the first, Ripley even, not really, Ripley in first Alien, you get the sense that she's very, very capable. And by the end of the movie, she is an absolute badass. It's one of the best character arts in a horror movie I've seen in a long time. And one few things that the entire Scream franchise does is it never makes Sydney into a damsel in distress. Yes, there are moments she's targeted by killers, especially in this movie, which is quite terrifying, but it'd be terrifying for anyone, male or female, and think the fact that she's so badass and so just dealing with all this shit going on, because she's got an incredible amount of shit going on in her life, even in this first movie, with the death of her mother and constantly the weird stuff that is on TV about her mother and the comments about her being raped and murdered, which are just thrown out on TV news by everyone. It's really, really weird. Um, And very 90s. And yes, it's a little bit over the top, but at the same time gives a justifiable bat story for why she acts the way she is, why she's a little guarded, and makes Billy even creepier when he gaslights her um, into uh, sleeping with him. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, but you're... It's basically just from Billy's, I'm sorry your mum was raped and murdered, but, you know, sets, sets, please, sets. Which is so bizarre, it's, it's kind of funny, because it's so ridiculous. No, it's a thing that anyone would act like this. Unfortunately, people would act like this, which also makes it a bit sad, but... A bit pathetic... That's building nutshells. Basically, an 80s horror movie character transplanted in present day to um, in present day being 90s at the time. And he's does a really good job of coming across as a scumbag, which makes the various red herrings throughout the movie even more awesome, to be honest. And I think one of the reasons I really like seeing it in cinema is firstly because of sound, because sound quality is amazing. Secondly, because of visuals, because like I said, Wes Craven really lets the movie breathe. Thirdly, because in the audience with people who 
my arm went going, oh, oh, oh my god. And I was like, awesome. I'm seeing it people who've never seen it before. You get to live vicariously through other people in your audience and their reactions, because obviously I seen scream a lot, so I know twists, but hearing those shocked expressions during the last 45 minutes, which I'll get into in a sec, was brilliant because essentially it's proof the movie works. You can't, there's no way for people to forget selectively forget movies they've seen to have that removed from their brains and watch them cold again that's not how it works but you can hear of people you can hear of people doing it and it's so awesome because that's a sign that movie works it really is and getting back to that last 45 minutes what a sequence everything from when they go to the house onwards is 45 minutes not one take but one scene is set entirely in one location and the working up of it and building and constructing and payoff and reveals and twists and turns oh man it's perfect and the absolute nadir the absolute best part of it is something i didn't realize i got seen by i never noticed before because i'd only ever watched it on tv and maybe i hadn't had sound up properly but there's sections of the movie literally scored to halloween playing in background the movie halloween plays on the tv and scores some of the finale of scream oh my god guys i cannot stress how brilliant that is how messy that is how utterly awesome that is to have that that is inspired directing and the fact that i haven't noticed that and i've watched a movie christ it's almost 20, 25 years since Scream came out and I've never noticed that that's just I mean maybe that's because I wasn't really paying attention but that's literally brilliant that's so cool and also the way that there's a scene where Jamie Kennedy who plays um, Randy is watching Jamie Lee Curtis on TV and he's telling her he's saying Jamie turn around turn around Jamie as the killer's cre- creeping up on him it's just perfect it is literally so clever, so sharp, and I think that's why a lot of the pretenders that came after it didn't really get. You know, they all wanted to be the same, and Cabin Woods wanted to be the same too. But I honestly, I don't think any horror script has ever been this sharp, and that is all down Kevin Williamson. He is, in my opinion, one of the best horror movie writers who's ever existed. And I think it says it all that the Weinstein boys hired someone to basically rewrite Kevin Williamson's work through the next four movies, three movies. Scream 2, Scream 3 and Scream 4 all were rewritten by the guy who wrote Transformers movies. And look, you know, I have nothing against people who write stuff like Transformers or do ghost work for stuff like that. You know, it's a career's a career, I get it. But I do object to someone like Kevin Williamson who literally created Scream and is the author and architect of Scream and the Weinstein boys kept hiring new and other people to rewrite their scripts it is in my mind it is akin to having Quentin Tarantino's script rewritten by the guy who writes I don't know fucking Infinity War you know like nothing against Infinity War 
But if you've got a Tarantino script, or you've got a Kevin Williamson script, you don't need to rewrite it. You need to get out the way, shoot the damn thing as it's written, by Wes Craven, like this movie was done, and it's perfect. But unfortunately, I think the mindset in Hollywood a lot is producers feel like they have put their stamp on a movie, when sometimes the right approach... Firstly, right approach is never worth people like Harvey and Bob Weinstein, but the other approach that you should really be using is a producer's skill set is to get a movie made, you know? You don't need to put your stamp on the movie, you just need to pick the best people to make it and get the fuck out of the way. You know? It's a king... So if they're shooting a scene, you wouldn't stand in front of the camera and block the shot. If they're making, if they won't make a movie and you've had someone write it and someone to direct it, get out of the way and leave them to it because you're a producer because you're good at producing movies. If you could make movies, you would be making movies, but you can't. You're not got that skill set, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just produce a good producer is invaluable to a movie okay but that doesn't mean that they're the creative force behind the movie you know i'm just saying anyway back to the screen i I always go on tangents about weinstein voice because i've never particularly cared for them (laughs) i don't know if you've read the book um oh god from sundance to miramats down dirty pictures, but they can't even in that book. And this was a book that they actually approved. Everything in it, they come across as bullies. The version they approved, they come across as bullies. And this, obviously, now we know exactly who Harvey Weinstein is. Everyone knows exactly who he is. But that should tell you everything about these two that they don't care they didn't give a shit that they're seen as bullies that they're okay with that going out there because it hit who Harvey actually was which is shocking like if you if you come across an improved book as a scumbag you must be the absolute devil you know anyway but, sorry, but Scream. I really go on these tangents. Scream is perfect. Literally. The first movie is one of the best horror movies ever made. The pacing is insanely good. The acting all round. Um, Nev Campbell, Sidney Prescott is fantastic. Courtney Cox's Gale is very good. Um, Dave Arquette is Dewey. He's funny. I, I think Dewey's problem is that it's just, it hovers on the edge. It's the only part of the movie which is a slight flaw because it hovers so close between generally good and also is there actually something wrong with Dewey that they're not mentioning because he it's a bit it's a bit of weirdness there you know and I I come across I speak as someone who is a little weird but that's a little off um, Skeet Ulrich as Billy is fantastic he plays just the right amount of Johnny Depp from Nightmare in the Street. Um, but at the same time, he's very convincing later on. Uh, Christ, I forgot what Matthew Lillard's character's name is. But he's awesome. Like He is, for me, he's one of the best parts of the movie. 
The ad-libs he does are fantastic. The weirdness of his performance actually works. Stu, that's his name. The weirdness of his performance actually works and it makes it even better. And then there's the simple fact that you've got great actors like Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is really good in this movie as well, actually, as the principal. He's, it's, again, it's... It's a fascinating part of they allow the actors to act and bring words to it. I think a lot of slash movies that came out in the late 90s, it's like they weren't letting the actors do anything fun. It was very matter-of-fact, very dull performances with no quirks, cause, partly because writing was piss poor, but also partly because there's nothing to work with. And Scream was great, because one, it gave all ca- actors and characters stuff to work with, and two, it just really allowed them sense of freedom. I think Wes Craven was saying that Stu and Dewey's characters changed during the process. Randy's character obviously gave Kennedy not greatest movie career but insanely good as Randy. Um but just the sense that there's a bit more freedom to it. There's a bit more life to it. It was a case of working to create most interesting environments possible for these characters. And I just think it's a career best all round. And now on to the Scream movies. Um, I haven't seen Emblem much. I've seen Scream. Um, but the next batch of movies... Look, I, I'm i not going to criticise them for making more Scream movies. Um, I'm not going to criticise them for making a TV show because I actually enjoyed what I watched from the TV show. It was fun. But here's the fundamental problem. Ghostface isn't a character. Now, by that, I mean Ghostface is a... Scream is basically a murder mystery. Okay, Scream's a really well-assembled murder mystery, and it's fantastic and everything pays off. But the problem is they redid the murder mystery over and over again with the same characters. And in theory, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing it all the time, you need, one, a consistent writer, and they kept... hiring Kevin Williamson, then getting rid of him, and hiring Aaron Kruger, and... It did that over and over again, which mud works because you need one distinctive voice on these movies. And while Wes Craven's providing constantly solid direction, he needed the good scripts to work off, and I don't think he quite had them because, you know, a murder mystery essentially needs to be plotted out tightly. Even stuff like Veronica Mars, which is, for my money, season one and two of the best seasons of TV ever made, season one works better even though there's a few flaws because... It's clear that mystery was plotted out metic- as meticulously as you do on TV. And as a result, it holds up. Season two mystery is wider forming and is bigger, but it didn't have that enough time put into it. So there's elements of it which fall down, stuff that falls by wayside and characters who don't really tie into the main core plot at all. Okay, and I think Scream 2, 3 and 4 forming fall into that trouble because I don't think any of them are bad I don't think there is a bad Scream movie I think there's ones which aren't good as the others but I think mainly that's because Scream the original is literally one of the best horror movies ever made so the sequel's going to fall down 2, it goes back to what I was saying about the um, Ghostface not being character because it isn't it, Ghostface is basically Old Man Crubbers from Scream from Scooby-Doo. It's the old man under a mask or the young man with young woman or whoever. And the problem with that is that essentially, unlike something like Freddy Krueger or Mike Myers or 
Jason, who we see in evolution throughout the entire series, Ghostface is just the same exact. By same that character, I mean it's same thing every time. Hello, Sydney. You know, it's like same voice, same get up, and they don't really do anything interesting with it because they can't. Um, because they can't be in real cat development because Killer is always a one and done character. And, you know, the murder mystery aspect is intriguing to find out who did it, but it became increasingly ridiculous as it's emphasized by sitting in first movie being like, who are you? And then you get the parlor scene and it's just like, I think increasingly villain mysteries came worse and worse. And I think one thing's, one of the ideas I did like, Kevin Williamson actually came out with an idea where he wanted to do, and he actually did this in his rather intriguingly weird TV show following where he wanted to do a cult based around the Ghostface Killers. And that sounds interesting, like a a group. That sounds like could have been a cool idea, but they kept wanting to do this. And I think also the fact that Sydney's character art is basically the same thing in every movie, and that did a disservice to Nev Campbell. I know a lot of people don't think she's the best actress on the planet, but I don't, I think much like Sigourney Weaver in Alien, in Alien 3 and Alien 4, I don't think she had anything fucking work with. So it's hard to criticise her for it. You know, as the franchise got more and more mundane because they didn't really have anything to say. And they couldn't even. And Weinstein boys wouldn't even let them go off on weird tangents for some because, you know, they wanted to make money, which ultimately resulted in Scream 4 not making a lot. But it's okay because Scream 5 is coming out, or Screams, they call it, because they want to do Halloween thing, and they don't want to... They want... I, I, Honestly, I don't know what's with these t- this thing of, like, hey, we're going to call it Halloween, or we're going to call it Scream. It's like... I mean, on one hand, I guess from a marketing position, it's easier to do, and it does meet with success, but at the same time, it's like, we've already had Halloween, and now you bring out Halloween again, like, and now we've had screaming, bringing Scream back. I mean, I, I don't want to... I think it must be for licensing things abroad or something, it must be easier for name value, but why couldn't it have been called Screams? I mean, that should have been Scream 2. Scream 2 should have been called Screams. You know? That would have been cool. But that's just my idea. But what are my thoughts on Scream 5? My thoughts are... I think the best part about trailer is the fact that Cindy just looks... And comes across like an absolute badass who's asked... Do you have a gun? She's like, yeah, I'm Sydney Prescott. I always have a gun. I'm like, fuck yeah. That's awesome. Of course, my worry is that she's going to be the killer. Which can be terrible, but, you know... I do like Generations aspect of it. And I like the fact that Nev Campbell gets to being a big budget movie again. Because I think she's incredible Sydney. I think Sydney's one of the best horror heroines of all time. You know? Like, she's... Even in, as movies get worse and worse and she gets less and less character development, she's still really good. I mean, she's got nothing... Nev Campbell doesn't really have enough to work with. And her peak as an actress is the first scream because, you know, she really showed F1 how good she could be with the right role. Um, I would say it's sad that it's not a Wes Craven scream, you know, because, bless him, he passed away. But Wes Craven is responsible for one some of the most iconic horror movies of all time. And it would be nice to see him, you know, 
add some stuff to his repertoire, but um, the uh, crew they've got involved looks very good and looks quite respectful. So, there you go. Anyway, this has been the Friday Night Fright podcast on Scream. Hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I will be back next week with... Um, oh, no. I will be back next week with... A review. It might be of last night in Soho because I'm seeing that half work on Friday, but I'll be back quite late, so I might have to do something different. But there'll be a new episode up next Friday. Um, eventually I'll get to longer episodes, but for now I think twenty four, twenty three minutes is good enough. So until next time, life is beautiful, and remember, so are you. Later's.